Hey, hey, namaste, my fellow Marvelous Nerds. This is the Marvel Mythos Podcast. Today we'll be covering Spider-Man Pursuit, which for some reason is Spider-Man 45, Spectacular Spider-Man 211, Web of Spider-Man 112, and The Amazing Spider-Man 389. Brian is off having a baby, so I'm your host, Austin Flume. You can find me on Twitter at Austin Flume. With me this week is Anthony Gorman. Yeah. And Liz was intending to join us today, but unfortunately she came down with the flu. So our thoughts are with you, Liz. We hope you improve soon. She gave us some notes that we're going to be intertwining into our conversations today to kind of honor her memory. Rest in peace. <laughs> she's not dead, Anthony. Well, she's resting. <laughs> she, she is. So rest in peace. I guess. <laughs> so to kick it off, we're going to start with... Spider-Man number 45. So, Spider-Man, reeling from the loss of his parents that turned out to be cyborgs created by Chameleon, decides that instead of waiting for Chameleon to hurt someone again, he's going to hunt down the Chameleon himself and make sure that he is dealt with permanently. Spider-Man is so full of rage that he is even considering foregoing his number one rule, stooping to murder the Chameleon himself. Meanwhile, Chameleon makes the same decision. He's going to hunt down Spider-Man himself, putting an end to this vendetta once and for all. And to do this, he hires some mercenaries through a sketchy middleman named Frank Cortese. Spider-Man successfully tracks down one of the Chameleon's safe houses, but when he arrives, he's attacked by those mercenaries. But they're unsuccessful, and Spider-Man ends up leaving a note for the Chameleon, warning them that he doesn't have any faces left to hide behind. All right, Anthony, so this issue kind of sets up the pursuit arc. I know you're just coming into Spider-Man, so is there anything that was kind of confusing when you just jumped in? Oh, yeah, definitely. It was basically the parents part, (laughs) where they were like robots, and he was agonizing over them dying. I was like, what happened here? Like, what is, what is this mess that I'm coming into? Yeah, it was a big mess. I thought I had read the wrong comics, so I, oh, really? m- yeah, I made sure I was starting at the right spot. But it, it became apparent what was going on pretty yeah. quick into the issue. You think there was enough exposition to fill you in while you were reading? Um, hmm. I think I was just like, you know what? I'm going to like shelve that, and I'm sure that's going to fuel something going forward. Yeah, that makes sense. I just kind of like wait and see. So basically, mm-hmm. Spider-Man's parents just randomly show up one day. Oh, really? At his doorstep. And they're like, we haven't came back because we've been working as like spies or something like that. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, but we're back now. So okay. we're back in your life. But it turns out that they were actually cyborgs created by Chameleon, and he sent them specifically to Peter Parker... Because everybody thinks Peter Parker has ties to Spider-Man because he's always taking pictures of him. Right, right. So Chameleon didn't know that Peter Parker was Spider-Man. But in the end, Peter ends up realizing that they're cyborgs because I guess he tells his parents that he's Spider-Man, which triggers this reaction in them because they were only created to kill Spider-Man. The dad starts trying to kill him, but the mom is like, no, this is our son. Like, she's... Even though she's a cyborg, she has this motherly tendency, I guess. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, ends up electrocuting the dad, and then Spider-Man punches a hole through his chest or something like that. So, <laughs> so he goes through this traumatic losing his parents thing a second, second time, time. Right. which sets him off on this spiral that we see for the next four issues. And then Spider-Man goes on like an aggressive hunt for the chameleon because he's mm-hmm. he's crushed. So I guess my first question to you, I thought this punch was very powerful. Like I've I read the comics before this, so I I knew all of the backstory and the revelations and stuff like that. Okay. So the whole parents thing setting Peter Parker on a spiral was very powerful for me and I thought it was really believable. Okay. Did you think it was effective or cheesy? Because he kind of flips on a dime, right? He goes from happy to like, I might murder someone. Well, here's the thing. Me coming in fresh, I didn't see that flip of the dime. I just saw like him like agonizing over it. And I'm coming from, I didn't really read the comics. I yeah. watched the cartoon in the late 90s. Yep. And so I'm not used to him being this aggressive at all anyways. He's yep. always a lighthearted like jokester. And so I didn't also know that he was married you know, I guess I knew the older I get, but I'm just not used to that. So when he was being aggressive like that and like super angry, I just wasn't used to it. But I, I was like, okay, this is just a more, you know, mature Spider-Man than I'm like reading right now. Yeah. And it was kind of refreshing. But to answer your question, I don't think it was cheesy at all. I think who he is kind of revolves around the death of his parents and yeah. like Uncle Ben and all that crap. Yeah. So it's, it's a major driving part of his life. So I can see how if he 
truly believe that maybe this could be, or maybe he, because actually this is kind of opening up something else. So even though I didn't read the the beginning or the, um, the story leading into this, uh, maybe he deep down, even though he's super smart, he wanted to believe that they're his real parents. Oh yeah, definitely. And he, he kind of like let that fantasy I'm reading way into this, but like, I think you're right though. Okay. Let that fantasy, uh, come in and then him like realizing his parents are dead again is basically like losing them a second time. Yeah. Yeah. Because of that. Not because, yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> yep. And that's why he's so mad. Right. And he's like, dang it. I got tricked. Yeah. He's probably mad because he lost them again. Plus he knows he got tricked. And that's a weakness. Yep. Like a big one. I agree. And so, um, uh, MJ's like trying to be like, Hey, talk to me. Yeah. Come to me. Let's talk about this and blah, blah. You're not saying anything. Yep. And he's like, no. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's the other big thing that happens in this issue is that Peter Parker and MJ get into a big argument about whether or not they should tell Aunt May about the whole cyborg thing. Yeah. Okay. But Peter doesn't want to hurt her Mm -hmm. more than he has to, but MJ thinks that she should know and that she's strong enough to take it. Mm-hmm. So she thinks he should tell him, which he responds to with like, you don't know my aunt better right. than I do. Who are you to say that? And right. you know, just overall being a horrible person, mm-hmm. basically, which is not new. Right. And we all know like Aunt May is a strong person. Yeah. So that's what, yeah, but he, yeah, he's probably, it just seemed angsty. I guess you can kind of go that route if you think cheesy, but I wouldn't say cheesy, but I would say like just... Like, he, even though he's an adult, he's kind of, like, lashing out, basically. Yeah. 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 And we'll talk more about the Peter Parker, MJ stuff a little bit later, since it kind of happens right <laughs> towards the end of the issue. But, so, I think one of the themes that this also brings up is something I've struggled with with superheroes in the past, specifically superheroes like Batman, Superman, and Spider-Man, specifically. Mm-hmm. Peter Parker realizes, like, why am I just catching this guy over and over again when i can just kill him oh yeah yeah. and never have to worry about this again Mm -hmm. which like batman and the joker right why doesn't batman just kill the joker and not have to deal with it again so what are your thoughts on that because it's something i struggle with Mm -hmm. it's like if they decide to go down this road then they're a murderer and they're like that's something that they do now Mm -hmm. so they have to super regulate themselves but at the same time like if they just start killing these bad dudes they're never going to come back again so what are your thoughts on that? I think it's a definitely a deeper, deeper thing. Because, uh, like you said, other superheroes go through this a yep. lot. And it's a major theme in definitely. Batman a lot of times. Oh, yeah. And um, I feel it shows that the reason these people are truly super is because they have those urges and they don't actually follow through on them. Mm. Whereas general humanity, you see war and all the stuff of just death and especially in the news and things like that, where humans, especially when they're given power, especially quickly become a corrupt. Mm-hmm. So our heroes, our good guys in our lives are the people that have the power, but choose not to do that. But it's a human struggle. So it's the darker side of having superpowers is you get tempted with that. And then the test of the superhero is to, you know, not act upon it. I think that's a really good analysis. We'll see what he ends up doing in the end of the issue, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> Does he so, get an AK? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Does he get a weapon? What was interesting is with this kind of spiral into questioning his morals, there are parallels drawn between Spider-Man and the chameleon the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like, in very direct ways. Like, in the beginning oh, yeah. of the comic, there's even a panel where you think that Spider-Man is talking, but it's actually the chameleon who's impersonating Spider-Man. Right, that. <laughs> Which was, uh, I totally thought Spider-Man was talking because it could apply to both of the people. Right. But it ends up being Chameleon saying things like, I'm never going to let this happen again. And he's got a gun. So it looks like Spider-Man <laughs> has a gun. But it's actually the Chameleon. So th- very well done how they how they drew the comparisons that's, that's between a very good the point. Spider-Man and the villain. Yeah, it was very confusing. But I was kind of like opening my mind in the beginning because I'm used to a different type of Spider-Man, like just feeling... And yeah. I was like, okay, he's got a gun. All right, we'll see. What I don't think he'll use it. So I was making me question where, where this comic was actually going. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a good point because I was kind of confused by that. I was like, I've never seen Spider-Man wielding a, a gun. gun. It's weird, right? Like even just taking it, it's always like with his web or something. He's not walking around holding a gun. 
Because that image just never, I've never seen that. It before. just looks wrong. It's like Batman right. with a gun. Yeah, yeah. So that was interesting. Yeah, I thought that was awesome. Mm-hmm. And then I, I felt kind of like a sense of relief when I realized it wasn't actually Spider-Man with the gun. I was like, I can okay. see that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> this feels about right now. So in addition to the double hunt, which I think is awesome in this issue, you got Spider-Man hunting the chameleon because he made him feel like he lost his parents for a second time. And you've got chameleon that's hunting Spider-Man because... And this is something that's revealed to us slowly through these four issues for people that haven't read previous comics or Spider-Man comics is that Chameleon blames Spider-Man for the death of Craven the Hunter, who was Chameleon's best friend. And we learn more of that more about that relationship going forward. But that's one of the dynamics in this issue. The other one being the dynamic between Peter Parker and MJ, which mm-hmm. what do you think the purpose is of them making Peter such a vulnerable husband and such a bad husband because he takes all of his stress and anxiety out on mary jane consistently in almost every episode or almost every issue right what what do you think the purpose is behind that oh man um again i was just left and right first with the gun and then him flipping out on mj all the time and it wasn't like mild subtle words it was like anger and like right turning back over his shoulder type looks as he's saying it type things. He's like, who do you think you are? And then at one point she starts talking like she needs to talk to people. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. That was probably my least favorite part of it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Because maybe I didn't get something that I was supposed to get, but it was um, a common or a theme that was repeated throughout the each one. And it was always like, oh yeah, she's here. And by the way, he still is like hating on her. Yeah. He's and then back to the action. Exactly. I don't know. I, I don't really know what there is to get with that like do you have any thoughts on that i mean they've been building this whole thing for a while this isn't just been a theme with these four issues okay it's been a constant theme throughout almost all the spider-man issues that we've read Mm -hmm. is the kind of boiling tensions between peter and mj and their marriage okay so it's in the last issues that we read she realized that she started smoking again because she she's like lost her desire to live almost. Oh man. So her smoking is self-destructive and it's like, well, might as well not care about myself. Cause I don't really have anything to live for. So yeah. it seems like it's finally coming to a boiling point and okay. something's got to happen soon because they've been building this for a while. But I think it might be Peter Parker is always built up as a really, a relatable hero mm-hmm. that everyone can kind of relate to. So I guess in an attempt to make him a little bit more interesting, yeah they're like he still has his flaws he's not a perfect guy he goes home and he's got all this stress that he deals with he can't handle it he takes it out on his wife he's got a he's got a bad marriage because of it right because we've heard this a lot of times with just a lot of things yeah a lot of stories yeah yeah. right so not necessarily i don't think the writers are necessarily trying to justify those actions but just Mm -hmm. to say like he's not he's like a flawed character okay Yeah, yeah it's one of his flaws He's a superhero, but he still deals with things that everybody else deals with, too. Okay, that makes sense. Yep. That's probably why he's one of the more popular superheroes. I agree. <laughs> or like, yeah. I agree 100%. So, do you have any other thoughts on Spider-Man 45? Um, I mean, basically, everything we went over, it was just a shocker in the beginning with the parents and then the gun and then yeah (laughs) yelling at mj type thing so it was kind of a shocker i guess so it was definitely a splash of cold water in my face with the spider-man that i'm used to reading Uh uh-huh or watching and the spider-man in this comic yeah oh i could totally see that Mm -hmm. so before we move on i just want to incorporate a couple a couple notes from liz she did text me some notes so the first thing she says is did he bury his parents bodies did he have to clean up the blood and gore to which I say, probably. He had to just take it out back and get rid of it or something, right? Yeah, I think, didn't he say he hit it or something? I don't know. Did he? I can't remember. I don't know. Yeah, because imagine if the police found that. <laughs> like, the faces of his parents, but like robot bodies. Yeah, I would say he had to get rid of it. Yeah, yeah, you gotta get rid of that. Mm-hmm. And then her second question is, what did Spider-Man write his note on the wall with? I mean, I imagine the chameleon has like a magic marker laying around his hideout somewhere. Right, yeah. If I were to guess. It did look like ink almost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like runny ink. Yeah. Chameleon's like, he wrote this with my own pen. Oh. <laughs> Changes into a pen. Yeah. Cause he, <laughs> right. <laughs> Only I can be my pen. Yeah. Because at the end, he ends up in Chameleon's hideout, and that's mm-hmm. that's where he gets mugged by all the mercenaries, and he beats oh, him up yeah, again. And they trash the place. Leaves or a weird spider. angsty note on the wall right. saying that he's going to come find him. All right. So moving on to the next one. 
Spider-Man, continuing his relentless search for Chameleon's location, is acting more aggressive than ever before, and people are starting to take notice. The cops, J. Jonah Jameson, etc. Everybody is noticing that Spider-Man's being aggressive. Chameleon is super frustrated that his mercenaries from the first issue were not successful, so he hires a hitman named Tracer that specializes in anti-hero missions, specifically. Chameleon is impersonating a retired police officer, so Tracer will accept his offer. Because basically, like, if Tracer knew that Chameleon was a mutant himself, Mm -hmm. he never would have accepted his offer. Chameleon continues to spiral, relenting the loss of Kraven the Hunter, who killed himself because of Spider-Man which we'll talk about in a minute. In the meantime, MJ and Spider-Man's marriage is coming to a boiling point as Peter continues to lash out at MJ for not understanding his problems while he is being guilty of doing the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. MJ continues to spiral into depression, feeling like there is literally no one left in the world for her to talk to about her problems. Then at the end, Spider-Man and Tracer duke it out. It's a pretty close fight, but Spider-Man convinces Tracer to give up by making him realize that the one who hired him wasn't an ex-cop, but was actually Chameleon. Tracer doesn't work for superheroes or mutants, so he is out. Spider-Man comes home after the fight to MJ, who just wants him to hold her hand, to which he replies, I'm just here for a new mask. (laughs) Now, a lot of stuff happened there. Right, yeah, the second one did have a lot of things going on. The most things in any of the issues, I think. Right. So what are your overall thoughts of the second issue? It was basically just action-packed. So it was a lot going on. And then the Tracer thing just made it more like dynamic, I guess. Because yep. then you have Chameleon and Tracer going on at the same time. Yeah, so this is the continuation of the double hunt that we talked about in the first issue. Spider-Man's mm-hmm. going after Chameleon. Chameleon's going after Spider-Man. Chameleon's first attempts weren't successful, so he hires another guy. Right. Spider-Man is like beating people up and interrogating criminals left and right. And everybody's looking at him like, dude, what's Spider-Man's deal right now? Right. Like, <laughs> there's that scene with J. Jonah Jameson where he's he's seeing the headlines that say, like, Spider-Man is, like, being a crazy guy or whatever. And he's like, wow. Like, way to finally give me a reason right. to write about you in a negative way. Yeah. When I'm not he even... Said, he said he stopped doing it, all the Spider-Man things because it was, like, harming the business or something? Something like that. Yeah. So now or Spider-Man's no. finally giving him a reason to do it. Yeah. And it seems like... J. Jonah Jameson kind of reveals that throughout this whole time, he kind of always knew that Spider-Man was representing the best of the people, Mm -hmm. to which I say, that's kind of lame. Right, because he's always so aggro. Yeah, like that's his whole thing is that he doesn't like Spider-Man at all. Right. So I thought it was weird that that they were like, yeah, even Jameson is like, I always liked Spider-Man. It's like, no, he didn't. Maybe in contrast, maybe they're trying to do contrasts of just how much of a rampage he was going on. I think you're right. I guess. I think you're right there. And then the cops, when Spider-Man is beating up like the regular dudes, Mm -hmm. the cops are like, you stay up there. You just handle the crazy people like the Green Goblins and the supervillains. Right. We'll take care of the streets. Yeah. (laughs) So everybody's kind of getting a little angry on Spider-Man. I wonder if that's going to come to a head in in uh, upcoming issues so how did you feel about the level of aggression that spider-man is it did you think it was cool because i kind of thought oh, like, it, it happened really quick like his spiral happened really fast mm-hmm. like between like two issues yeah. but i thought it was super cool to watch yeah. it happen i liked it i uh because i always wish spider-man would do more like yeah like harder because i would always imagine even when i was a kid watching the cartoons that if I had that power, I would be rounding up people like crazy. I'd be like on the hunt all the time just because it'd be fun. <laughs> you know, if you're that good. Yeah. Yeah. And then you, I would always imagine you'd run out of like crazy villains and then you'd have to work your way down to the lower levels of people like stealing groceries and stuff like that. Yeah. Like all the way down to that level. It's like, well, I've done everything. Yeah. But I feel like I would be constantly monitoring the city and doing stuff like even though new york's pretty big but yeah so how'd you feel about tracer tracer's the new hitman that was hired did that bro come out of a suitcase did you see that right (laughs) did he come out of a suitcase at first i was like am i looking at the scale wrong because i did have to go back and make sure that was a suitcase yeah because i was like wait he looks bigger now is he like a little toy yeah they get that guy out of a suitcase i didn't really just go towards the art the art was fine coming into this i didn't think it was anything spectacular but um because hey, it's spectacular Spider-Man. Uh, i was like i didn't think it was anything web slinging oh, wait that doesn't make sense i'll go with spectacular right um but i didn't think it was anything crazy off the wall good but um i didn't really like tracer in general 
just drawn. He just seems really clunky. And I guess they were trying to go for like a more futuristic, like Iron Man type look. And it, I just didn't think it really worked that well. You didn't think it looked that cool? No, it reminded me of toys way back in the day in like the 80s. Yeah, I thought he looked. was kind of generic. Yeah. Yeah, like a generic robot. Yeah. Half robot, half man. I agree. And maybe Tracer has some background that we don't know. Right. But yeah. th- this is the first time we were hearing about him. And mm-hmm. it just kind of seems like a, just like a run of the mill hired gun in a spider-man comic yeah and that suitcase thing is confusing (laughs) it is like did he come out of that or Mm -hmm. what how was he summoned but there was an interesting part that uh i found with the chameleon in this this issue oh yeah yeah um he talks about how it takes work for him to uh impersonate these people and i thought that i found that interesting because a lot of superheroes and villains that have superpowers they just have the power they don't have to work towards it yeah they just and do he it he can change into it but he has to mimic the voice and inflections or if he really wants to do a good job mm-hmm. and he says how he doesn't have a perfect imprint on this sergeant or whatever and when the neighbor's knocking on a door to tell him like you know, calm down the noise yeah he like um gets disgruntled and then he talks about like murmurs to himself how he hates having to mimic this and it takes work and everything i was like oh man that is true so he has the superpower but he still has to put a lot of effort into it yeah that is really cool i love it when they build in limitations to superheroes Mm -hmm. superheroes to make him feel a little bit more dynamic and grounded right yeah and that's like a big one with his i was like oh i didn't even think of that because if you can if you were like a changeling like in star wars or yeah you know every universe has like their style of shapeshifters right but yeah it made me think of all those people like oh my god all those yeah beings that can shapeshift have to put in a lot more effort than a lot of the other heroes yeah or villains yeah it's pretty cool mm-hmm. it's pretty cool pretty cool idea so right. i liked that spider-man seemed to have met his match at a certain point mm-hmm. and then he comes back and it seems like it's a pretty even fight right so did you think the fight scene was pretty cool or just kind of like run i thought it was cool but there's a uh a, another cool like twist i guess you can call it or not twist but just interesting take on the whole theme of everything yeah again a little hidden thing Ooh. is um tracer trained on the old old spider-man the non-rampaging spider-man oh yeah and that's how he lost basically right. so he was been training for months on with the simulations wherever they're coming from coming from that damn suitcase um about how to beat the spider-man and they know all of his moves and how he is and he likes to talk a lot of trash and stuff like that and so when he was fighting uh spider-man he was like who is this guy this is not and he was even being spider-man was even more aggressive with his talks than he's used to getting in his head and stuff like that yeah and that's what ultimately because those gas pellets that tracer is specifically designed and trained with for months you know it was all planned out and perfect, but what the only thing that wasn't perfect was the fact that Spider-Man was going through this rage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, thought that, was, I thought, thought that was awesome. Yeah. I thought it was super cool. Like, man, it, there's something about, like, a superhero being angry that just feels... Right. This is just straight up cool. Yeah, because you're used to their like, restraint all the time. Yeah, and what are they going to do? Like, these people are superheroes, and they're they're powerful most of the time, but you know how you get when you're angry, like... Yeah, you lose. Yeah, yeah, lose cool. you lose inhibitions, and his strength is probably magnified because he's angry. Mm, oh, like, what yeah, is he going to do? It's just, it's just awesome. I thought right. It was super yeah. cool. So, moving back to the MJ and Peter Parker relationship issues, in one of the panels, Peter is clearly drawn to look like an ugly monster when he is yelling at MJ. Oh yeah, yeah. Which tells me, like, I know exactly what you're doing. You're building up peter to be like a bad husband and a bad dude and i'm left with no questions in my mind about what their intent is behind this whole thing yeah yeah. they're trying to make him look like a bad guy and there's there's the whole thing where peter just tells mj to just go out dancing like she usually does right because he just he doesn't understand that this stuff drags her down just as much as it drags him down Mm -hmm. but she doesn't have anybody else to go to right because what's she gonna do be like yeah my husband is Mm spider-man yeah man so how'd you feel about that um, I can see readers that have never been in a relationship, not like knocking any like whatever, but like younger readers, youths, yeah, youths, um, <laughs> not understanding that because that I think is another theme. Like you said earlier, how you know taking aggression out on their significant other happens all the time, but um, yeah, 
Yeah, just not realizing that your partner is also going through what you're going through, especially in that dynamic because oh, yeah. he's a superhero mm-hmm. going through all that. But um, now I thought that was a good addition to make it more organic and feel that that was actually going on between them. Because when he said that, it's one of those statements that you can never take back. You said it. You didn't really mean it, you know, to be that aggressive. Mm-hmm. But it definitely comes off that way. And it's like, God, like, what do you think I'm doing here? I'm actually worried about you, you know, sitting at home. I don't want to go dancing. I can't dance, you know, in this mood, blah, blah, blah. Yep. Yeah, I thought it, I was like sad for her, but... Also, the flip side, they spent so little time every time they touched on it mm-hmm. that I was like, okay, am I, I guess I just won't dwell on this. Mm, I see. So, I see. I guess that's the downfall of comics that are only 25 pages. Right. Yeah. You can only do so much. Yeah, they yeah. got to make those punches really powerful when they mm-hmm. come in. So do you have any other thoughts on that second issue before we move on? Um, no, I think that's that's pretty much it. Okay. Yeah. I want to call out that, that Liz did note the whole, why don't you go dancing thing that that Peter said to MJ. She says she literally gasped right. when he said that. <laughs> so she was she was taken aback. Yeah. Just as much as we that. were by that. Like, mm-hmm. oh my God, I can't believe he said that. All right. Moving on to Web of Spider-Man 112. Chameleon finally strikes. Imitating another cop, he hijacks a bus full of prisoners and unleashes them on the city. Spider-Man is so dead set on capturing the chameleon that he almost forgets to apprehend the prisoners who are wreaking havoc on the pedestrians. Chameleon is actually the one that ends up reminding him, at which point Chameleon is able to escape. So there's that transaction between Spider-Man and Chameleon where like Chameleon's like, whoa, I was planning on dealing with the regular Spider-Man. This guy's way angrier than I expected. Another one of those things. Mm -hmm. However, after apprehending the prisoners, Spider-Man is lured to the Chameleon's hideout through an elaborate series of traps and bombs as Chameleon plans to trap him and kill him for good. Chameleon then decides that he must avenge his old mentor, Craven by becoming him. He transforms to look exactly like Craven the Hunter. Mm-hmm. MJ spots Peter for a brief moment as he's swinging through the city on his chase, but he's gone just as quickly as he appears. In the end, Spider-Man is led to his own grave, where he was previously buried alive by Craven the Hunter. While this is going on, there's some political intrigue between Warren Kafka and some other political figures that I have no idea who they are. Right. Yeah. I kind of, yeah. No idea what that is. We'll probably <laughs> skim pr- through that. Probably won't talk about that much. Yeah. So, really, not that much happens in this issue. It seems like issue threes in comic book lines seem to be the slimmest for some reason. Two out of two for me, but yeah. Right. Isn't that <laughs> yeah. weird? Right. I don't know why that is. So, another instance of someone looking at Spider Man in his current state and being like, whoa, this bro is angry. Right, and you can see that because he totally was caught off guard the fact that Spider-Man could tell that that was not a normal cop because he was laughing manically in the prison bus as the prisoners were being let out. And Spider-Man, like you said, like maybe his rage like heightened his senses even more. And he's like, wait a minute, that guy's laughing a little bit too much. And he goes down and like rips something off. That's when Chameleon says, it reminds him, aren't you saving all these people? Blah, blah, blah. And that's how he gets away. Yeah. Yeah. I I thought it was another, it's just another example of Spider-Man getting close to his ultimate goal because of the rage. Mm-hmm. You know, so he, he beat out tree, Tracer because of his rage. Yeah. You know, it helped him at least a lot. Oh, okay. So you think they're trying to paint the rage as a good thing, maybe? It's helping him get through it, I think. Okay. Just the the um, the action part. The MJ part, no, definitely not. It's like yeah. ob- obviously op- working in the opposite direction. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's helping him, but it's it's definitely misguided a lot but yeah so you could tell that in the beginning when i guess marvel was talking about doing this line because this is a crossover between four different spider-man arcs Mm -hmm. that they were like we really want to emphasize the fact that spider-man is not the spider-man that he usually is he's in an angered state and people are not prepared for it because they're used to the old spider-man so i think that's why it happens in every single issue that we're looking at in different ways and you have different people being like whoa I was planning for the old Spider-Man, but I got this aggressive version. Right. And it makes sense because like each of these was a different writer. So they were like, okay, I'm going to incorporate this in my own way. Which is, yeah, pretty crazy. And that, that would be kind of fun for the writers too, to mm-hmm. be like, okay, this, this vein of story is coming through my way and I get to write 
an angry Spider-Man, you know, real quick. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it's not real quick, but yeah. Yeah, just really, let me just whip it up real quick. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it makes it even crazier that this is a crossover. Like, I, it blows my mind that they do these stories that are, that they somehow tie in four different lines that were going on at yeah, the same time. Yeah, that is time. nuts. Like, how do they do that? Yeah, that's, I mean, I mean, I guess that's what they do for a living. Right? <laughs> so it's like they sit around and have to think about Spider-Man all day. Have to figure that out. There's worse things to do. Like in spectacular, <laughs> right? Like in spectacular Spider-Man, it just goes from spectacular Spider-Man 210 to 211, which is part two of the Pursuit series. Right. That was very confusing. And then it's <laughs> continued in other lines. So what does spectacular Spider-Man 212 look like? Probably completely different. So, it, but it, I can see why they do it because it makes you want to go out and read other yeah. authors and yep. That I makes sense. So. Yeah. That's I see interesting. why they do it. It's neat that they pull it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's pretty impressive. That is interesting. Moving on to after the whole initial chameleon and Spider-Man conflict, the chameleon's obstacle course, which like, I guess yeah. chameleon, he leaves and he goes back to his hideout mm-hmm. and he initially triggers Spider-Man by sending a frequency that sounds like a spider sensor, yeah, yeah. which then Spider-Man follows it and he ends up like finding a bomb or something and it blows up a like an antenna or water tower he has to fix it he looks over and some other bomb is going off over Mm -hmm. there and he has to go and he has to like fix that problem this whole thing felt very video game to me like it made me feel like i was playing a spider-man video game where i had to like chase down the chameleon by looking at all these like fixing all these bombs that he set up that's true and it seemed kind of like forced i had forced i really felt like i had to suspend my disbelief well spider-man even said early on he said because he set something on fire and then there was a water uh, reservoir on top of the building. Yeah. And he's like, this is easy. He's like, why would he make this easy? And he's like, oh, so it's, yeah, I mean, it still is kind of like video gamey because it's, he even says in the the panels that, oh, he must be um, trying to get me to follow some sort of path. And he like figures it out like super quick. And I was like, Oh, okay. So this is kind of an excuse just to get him somewhere else. Probably because he's done it before. I feel like other villains have done this exact same thing before. Oh, right. Okay. I can see that. So what did you think about the art in this one? As you were reading these different issues, did you notice big changes with the art since they were different artists? Um, I think on the last one I did, but I, I don't think I picked up on it that that quickly i don't know why okay. but gotcha. like from uh issue to issue yeah you thought they all just kind of looked like comic books yeah but i think the last one was a little different from i guess the other one i don't know I'm, yeah. i don't really have a keen eye for that i mm-hmm. don't think yet because i haven't really been reading a bunch of comics yeah it makes sense liz did note that she thought the art was so much different than the others in in part three and that she okay. thought it was much more heavy detailed okay no, so. I could definitely, I would have to re go back through it, but I do remember thinking maybe it was the transition from three to four and it went back to something like a different style. Yep. I could see that. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I thought that was interesting to kind of see, see it play out. Another example that these are four different comic lines that are kind of intersecting at this one point. Right. So that's kind of, that's kind of the gist of what happens. Our touch point with the MJ and Peter Parker marriage is just her seeing him swing by as he's yeah, on the real brief it was like right. super brief and then at the end when he gets when he gets to the end of this weird like chase that he's on he ends up at his own grave like it's a grave outside of the hideout mm-hmm. that says spider-man on it right and it happened really abruptly really <laughs> like, abruptly <laughs> and that okay. was a that was a really shocking moment mm-hmm because I was like, first of all, I didn't even realize that Spider-Man was buried alive. And he's Me having either. these like recollections yeah. of digging himself out of the grave. And it says murder, like captured, murdered, taken in by Craven the Hunter right. on the grave. So <laughs> that lets us know that Craven put him in the, in the ground. Mm-hmm. Right. So how did you feel about the way that this ended? I mean, I had that? no idea what was going on. Okay. So <laughs> I almost Googled it real quick. I was like, what? Spider-Man was dead at one point. Is he a zombie now? I don't get it. Yeah. But yeah, that did help with the craving thing. I think it was just because I jumped right into the, the third one, like the same day. Mm-hmm. Cause I read the last two in the same day. Yeah. And, um, so that probably helped a little bit, but I, I was pretty confused. Yeah. Initially. That's the problem with comics. Like some of these are in the hundreds. Mm hmm. And that's why they have to sprinkle in little tidbits of plot elements that mm-hmm. have happened in the past because it's been going on for years. Right. 
So it's kind of hard for them to call back on things that happened years ago without confusing new readers. Yeah, and it confuses new readers, and I'm sure like the the old timers that have been reading them for a long time enjoy it though. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Because it allows them to build things for months and months and months until they come to a head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Great. So I, I also thought that was kind of confusing. Mm-hmm. So I had to really read it a few times to figure yeah. out what the context was. Right. Yep. So one of the other things that happens in this issue before we move on is when Spider-Man is dealing with those prisoners that escaped that van, he's being real aggressive with the prisoners. Oh, yeah. And they're saying things like, you can't do that. And he's like, I'll do whatever I freaking have to do. Oh, that's right. Basically. And he chucks them into a wall. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Dude. I like that. So I they, I, I felt the third ish, uh comic was the weaker of all of them. Yeah. But I did, yeah, enjoy that scene where they busted out of the prison prison truck or bus or whatever that was. Bus. And uh, he was just going... Because Chameleon gets away yet again. Again. And he's like upset. And he's like, ah! And that's like... I guess the rage... Well, it doesn't come to culmination there, but yeah. It's just another example of it. It's like really building up. Yeah. I thought it was cool too. I'm like, ooh, what's he going to do? Yeah, he's going <laughs> to... He's going to throw down. Right. So any other thoughts on that issue before we move on? No. Nope. Cool. Okay. Last issue is The Amazing Spider-Man 389. Spider-Man is shaken by the memories of being buried alive, which completely reasonable, if you ask me. And we, as the new readers, are let know that Craven actually killed himself after doing that. So that was something new that I learned, is that Craven actually killed himself after burying Spider-Man. So, as Spider-Man, still in ultra-aggressive mode, plows through Chameleon's hideout, breaking through all of the traps... Chameleon seriously struggles with his lack of self-esteem. The whole issue is a big confrontational fight scene in which Chameleon struggles with his demons while Spider-Man struggles to resolve the anger that is within him by hunting the Chameleon. At the end, when Spider-Man finally has the opportunity to end it, as in, kill the dude, he can't do it because Chameleon looks too pathetic. He's realized that he never meant anything to Kraven and that he was always a meaningless sidekick at best. So throughout this whole thing, Chameleon's trying to kill Spider-Man to get revenge for Craven because right. he loved him. He was his best friend in life, and he blames Spider-Man for Craven killing himself. So at the end, he kind of realizes immediately, mm-hmm. for some reason, that he never actually meant anything to Craven and that his life is meaningless. Right. <laughs> Spider-Man, no longer having an outlet for his rage, storms back into Chameleon's hideout and looks at a computer for some reason. He finds a video file addressed specifically to him and the file reveals that the Green Goblin was actually behind the parent thing the whole time. Whoa, plot <laughs> yeah. twist. Crazy plot twist. And that's how this Pursuit storyline ends. So this is the culmination of what we've been reading about mm-hmm. for four issues. Did you feel it was a fitting conclusion? Did you think they tied up all the loose ends well? How did you feel <clears throat> finishing hmm. off this storyline? I found this last issue more interesting with between uh, Chameleon and Craven. Because mm-hmm. I didn't okay. know the backstories behind either of them. And when you find out that he was like the servant of Craven, and yeah. I started like extrapolating that to like Craven was doing experiments on Chameleon with like superpowers and stuff. And that's Ooh. how he got a superpower. I think maybe I was inferring that. But um, he says something about how he had a lot of influence on his early development mm-hmm. in becoming who he is today or whatever. Yeah. And I probably read a lot into that. But uh, I thought that was interesting because I was like, now I understand why he's so angry at Spider-Man. Because at first I was like, is this guy like more than friends with Craven? Yeah, I, like, I thought the same thing throughout. Like, were these like romantically little, involved? Right. It was a little too gushy. I was like, all right, yeah. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> but um, it makes sense. So it was like kind of like a Padawan type thing. And then his master, even though Spider-Man didn't kill him at, you know, with his own hands or webs. Um you know, he still puts blame on it, but it was kind of also odd that he was so he's, he went from being so aggressive and luring him to a trap and everything. And all of a sudden being like, Oh my God, I'm nothing. Yeah. But I mean, that that's fitting for him because he's uh, a shapeshifter. Oh, you know? So, okay. Since he's chameleon. So that's like the dark side of his thing is a, he has to work a lot to mimic these people and then B, he starts losing his identity of himself because he's not really 
you know, him anymore. He's just all these people that he's pretending to be. So that I, I felt this last issue was more interesting for chameleon than literally anything else in the whole thing. And the whole last comic, I can see how you'd feel that way. Yeah. So the action was good. It was, and it made sense with the, the grave Spider-Man coming to his own grave. And, um, so it tied up kind of loose ends in three and then it tied up a lot of reasoning for why chameleon was doing, was doing what he, uh, was doing. But then, yeah, I get, I don't know how I wanted it to end. Now that I think about, it. I never really actually thought about it to be honest. Did you think he was going to kill him in the end? No, I knew, I knew he wasn't going to kill him just because that's just not his they thing. So even that. I knew that wasn't going to happen. And when chameleon did become pathetic, where he was like, I am nothing. I'm no one. Um, I knew that he wasn't going to do anything like that, but I thought they, they were going to make it where it seemed like he would have killed him Mm. more, you know, pronounced Yeah, where he had to make this decision, like holding something over, which I guess he was holding something. Yeah. He's holding a big, what boulder or something. Yeah. Like a tombstone or something. Something from the graveyard. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, so I guess he did kind of had that, like, pull the trigger type moment but uh it was pathetic that chameleon became so pathetic so quickly it's yeah. fine like him having this revelation but a realization but um yeah i don't know i didn't really like the ending of it just because it was basically like the green goblin saying like surprise it was me the whole time yeah pranked you <laughs> he's like all right i guess i'll see you later <laughs> and spider-man's like no yeah yeah well, the cool thing about the end was that Spider-Man still doesn't have the satisfaction of getting his revenge, right? So he's yeah, still yeah, he's yeah. still angry, and he's like a, he's addicted to that anger, and he's looking right. for his next target. He even says that he's like, and now I have no target for my rage. Who is going to be my next target? Oh, then right. the Green he's, Goblin comes out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, all right, Green Goblin's the next target. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Because, yeah, he was like, I need to spend this energy on finding how or why he wants to know yeah. my family or something like that. Yeah, it was kind of like a, a commentary on how anger is like a drug. Mm-hmm. And when you get angry, you kind of want to stay angry in a weird okay. way. Okay, yeah, yeah. I can you see know? that. Yeah, yeah. Because it releases endorphins in your brain and things mm-hmm. like that and makes you want to stay yeah. like that. It's kind of Plus, satisfying. he's so used to being you know, reserved in that regards of like the yeah. violence and stuff like that. So right. he's probably like, enjoy, like you said, enjoying it a little bit. Maybe. Yeah, probably. Do you, what do you think is going to happen next? So he's still on his, his outburst. He's still raging. So and are they going to continue with this cross? Is that, uh, this like crossover pursuit? is over. Typically crossovers like this, I think are only like a, a one-time thing. And then it goes back to the regular. That's line. what I thought. Yeah, so yeah. it looks like that green goblin line is going to continue in amazing Spider-Man 390. Okay. So 390 through 393. So that's kind of cool because it it basically like launches it into that. Yep. Where he's like super angry. That actually kind of just that tidbit you just told me kind of makes me want to read the next ones with Green Goblin. Actually. Oh, I'm super interested now. Yeah. yeah. So now that you know that this isn't just the the hard stop ending, do you feel a little bit better about it? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, a whole 180. Okay. So. Yep. I like that. So I want to see his rage go on. Cool. You want to be on the next episode? I mean, sure. Cool. Sounds good. <laughs> Scheduled. Okay. So I thought the Green Goblin thing was cool, but extremely random. Yeah. And kind of cheesy. Yeah. Because it's like... Just because it came out of nowhere. I kind of wanted this parent thing to be wrapped up. Mm-hmm. And they're just kind of milking it a little bit more. Yeah. Piggybacking on top of it to propel them into the next arc. Right. It was, it was just abrupt and it was like, kind of like pranked you, you know, like, yeah, yeah, that was it. And then it was over. So before the episode, you looked up more info about why Craven killed himself because we both didn't know that when we read it. So for some reason, after Craven had successfully buried Spider-Man alive, Mm -hmm. he goes and he kills himself. And that's the whole reason Chameleon is hunting Spider-Man this whole time is that he blames Spider-Man for Craven killing himself. So what did you find out about why he did that in the first place? It sounded like he finally felt that he satisfied everything he was um, set out to do. And like killing Spider-Man was the last big thing that he wanted to do in life. 
this is a huge basic summary, but yeah. Um, and then once he felt that he thought he did kill Spider-Man, he tied up a couple other loose ends and then uh, killed himself. Not in sadness or anything like that, but just because he there was nothing left for him to to do. Hold on, I think I have it slightly wrong because Spider-Man comes out of the grave, if I remember, and then. I think you were right. I think Craven considered Spider-Man the ultimate game. So once yeah. he killed him, he's like, I've got nothing else to live for. I've completed my goal in life. I'm going to kill himself. That's, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to kill myself. Right. Because what else am I going to do? I right. beat the game. I think I was mixing that and Chameleon's, because like, he had the gun, and then Spider-Man, didn't he take it away from him? Yeah, Chameleon was, Yeah. oh, yeah, that's that's a good point. So he, only, he tried to go out the same way as Mentor did. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. So Spider-Man yeah, was yeah. like, no, I'm, you're not going to rob me of this again. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right, right, right. So interesting point from Liz in her write-in notes. She says, Spider-Man saying shut up to the guy that he just stopped from killing himself is the exact kind of character development I wanted to come from all that led to this. Okay. So yeah, yeah. like you said, Chameleon shut up. <laughs> almost killed himself the same way Craven did. Yeah. And Spider-Man's like... No, like, uh-uh. He doesn't feel any sympathy for him, but he's just like, no, you're not freaking doing that. Right, he's you're, angry. Yeah, you're yeah. not, I, like, I'm mad at you. And then he tells him to shut up a second later and webs him up. Right. Like, Piece of crap. And right. I think that's a really good point, Liz, that, that Spider-Man's at a point where he doesn't give a crap about other people. Mm-hmm. He only cares about himself and achieving his vengeance. Right, and he has, like, he feels like he's being pathetic. Like, shut up. Right. <laughs> Yep. No, that's good, yeah. Right. And but Liz, contrary to how I guess I felt about the Green Goblin, says the reveal that the Green Goblin is behind the parent clones is so so good, the best ending to a story arc we've had so far. So she loved oh, okay. that. And I can see that. Yeah. I can see I get I mean now that I know that there would be a continue on, then I would be like, you know, like, oh my god, this yeah. is crazy. I want to read more. Right. So are so. there any other tidbits about the character development or the plots or parallels in this whole four issue story that you want to talk about? Um, I will say, I mean, just in general, this is the first time I've read physical copies of mm-hmm. the comics. Yeah. Cause most of them aren't on the app. Right. Had to actually I, buy physical copies. The other podcast I was on a different comic app was all digital. So it was just, I just wanted to say it was, I kind of like it better because i can see the whole thing but mm-hmm. also i like the the advertisements in the middle yeah because it was like brings you back to the past right and kind of adds to the story at least for me yeah for there's like a like, castlevania bloodlines ad that i just saw it's so yeah. cool and like nba jam is on the back right i thought it was neat but uh that's just a newbie coming into the comic book world yeah that's good that's one of my favorite things about reading the physical issues right i thought it was neat that there were differences between the textures of the different lines so when you read spider-man which is maybe more of like a a main line Mm -hmm. it's got like a a really glossy feel to the pages but then when you switch to like spectacular spider-man it's almost like a newspaper print oh yeah yeah. so it's Mm -hmm. almost like they put more money into the one that is more successful it seems like yeah yeah. i thought that was pretty cool yeah i can see you don't get that when you read on the app right i mean i I really like the app but yeah there's nothing like reading it (laughs) yeah i agree with that so we've talked about the whole the whole line we finished Spider-Man Pursuit, so now we've come to the ratings portion oh, okay, of yeah, the yeah. podcast. Anthony, you got a little bit of experience rating Yeah, yeah. your last time on. Mm-hmm. So the way that it works here on Marvel Mythos is one to three is ban it from Marvel canon. Four to seven is borrow it. You think it's good enough to read, but you don't necessarily think you needed to add it to your collection. And then eight to ten is a buy it. You think that comic book fans should buy these issues and add them to their collection. So Anthony, I'm going to start with you. What rating would you give these particular comics? Even though I, Spider-Man is one of my more favorite mm-hmm. or most favorite uh, superheroes, I would still say this is probably, can I do a, a point? Okay. Or like a half, like yeah. probably like a 6.5. Okay. So I would enjoy reading it, but I wouldn't really particularly want to own this based on the art or re readability. Mm-hmm. I would say it's good to go through once, but I wouldn't, yeah. I, don't mm-hmm. know. I think that's reasonable. I think I fall at a seven. Okay. So a little bit higher than that. Okay. And I think that probably that extra bump comes from just the fact that I've read a few more of these Spider-Man issues. So I had a little right. bit more of the background there. I think that always helps when you're reading comics. Mm-hmm. I thought the art was really good. We didn't talk that much about the art, especially in like issue three. I thought the art was really great. 
Okay, yeah. I thought it was really cool to see Spider-Man running around in his rage mode active. (laughs) Didn't really care about, like, what he was doing and stuff like that. There were elements of cheese, and I thought some of the things were a little bit rushed, which is, like, it's going to happen when you have to tie up a story in only four issues, especially when four different people are writing it. True, yeah, true. the whole spiral into his rage was a little rushed, and then the ending I thought was rushed, too, where Chameleon just kind of, like decides that he's gonna kill himself you know yeah but with that being said i think it was still really good i really enjoyed reading it i don't think you necessarily need to buy it but i think as a spider-man fan and a comic fan that you should probably read it so that's where i land on a seven true yeah before our closing comments liz actually wrote in a rating of a nine out of ten oh well so she loved the story arc she it gave it the payoff that she's been waiting for for a while and she's glad that she owns the first three she'll probably buy part four at some point so she adored this she thought it was amazing yeah spectacular web of all those things yeah yeah. so that was great (laughs) so that was spider-man pursuit be sure to check out our next episode on june 19th it's going to be avengers armageddon where we talk about avengers 373 to 375 again my name is austin flume and i will see you next time later there you go (laughs) But sometimes, I think some days, people put caffeinated, they make it because they're so tired or whatever, and they just put in caffeinated and decaf, because every once in a while, I'll drink a decaf in the afternoon, and I'll be like, yeah, Whoa, really? Yeah. You think they accidentally put caffeine in it? Or sometimes people... Really? I don't know. I think people think it's funny. You're talking about the the coffee? Yeah. At work? Every once in a while. Wow. Like, do you remember that that time where... Someone was pooping on the bathroom floor at Winton Hills. I think some people are just weird. Yeah. They're just like, this is going to jack up a bunch of people. They have no idea. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the P Funkin' Fro Show. This is episode 57. My name is Austin Fluman. With me, as always, Anthony Gorman. Today, we're going to talk about Spider Man comics. I was still going to do some testing, and I was going to go, <laughs> right before you did your intro. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> well, you can do it now. I already just did it. Do it again. I don't know the rest of it. I think you need to cock your mic up a little bit. Ah! Just like, like I tried to angle give it a little it. twist there. Wait, where's the give it a twist? Where's the cock part? It's, it's this thing. This you loosen this up. Oh, what? This loosen, and you can you can just kind of. Yeah. I was looking for that, I was like. Or you not? can just usually you can just kind of do it without even. Yeah, that's loosening what it. I used to do. Yep. But it wasn't budging. Maybe even like a little more. Nobody sit there that directional. Yeah. Like the more it's pointed at your mouth, the better. <laughs>